Hi, this is Daniela Wolf with Bestie Life, the podcast, and this is your community to support you through the little and not so little events that make up your day-to-day life. From the I've got this moments to the Ugh, I just can't moments, we are here to empower all women to find and develop the skills they need to find peace, balance, and the bliss in their busy through solo episodes as well as interviews with amazing women who share their journey and their story and how it works for you. I hope you find the inspirations to make you laugh, think, as well as maybe rethink what you thought you knew and connect as we realize that we are all living similar ups and downs and don't have to do it alone. So excited for you to hear this episode and thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, this is Daniela with Bestie Life, the podcast, and today I am so excited for you to meet Renee Hager-Smith. She is a heart-centered coach who supports women with self-care, self-love, and mindfulness on their journey to well-being and wellness. She helps you heal from the soul up. So thank you so much, Renee, for joining me today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here, Daniela. I love what you do, and I think it's a, a natural fit for your show, hopefully. Thank you. And I know you and I have had the opportunity to meet in real life and chat in person. And so I'm so excited for you to be able to really connect with my listeners, because I think you have such a powerful and impactful story. And the, the way you not only just talk about things, but you practice what you preach and you show how you can pivot and turn things around and move forward. So I'm so excited to dive into all of that. If you can maybe share a little bit of your background. Sure, absolutely. Well, um, as you know, Daniela, I am a suicide loss survivor. My husband died by suicide uh, in the summer of 2021. And that was, of course, a huge turning point for me. We had been married for 10 years, and he was also my first love that I had reconnected with later in life. So I had known him, you know, since I was a teenager. He dealt with a lot of mental health challenges. And uh, most notably, there was a lot of emotional abuse in the relationship. There was um, narcissistic behavior. And during that time, as the years went on, it just became a really chaotic environment and a dark place for myself. I noticed that the light that I had had within me when I was younger had sort of been extinguished. And one day I was walking out of my job through the back stairs. And I noticed that I was going out the back stairs because I didn't even want to look people in the eye anymore. I just was in such a stressful place. And I understood at that point, I really needed to make a change or I was going to lose myself entirely. So I took my first yoga class. I had practiced yoga years ago. I had never gone and done it in a class environment. And that was a a huge training point for me. I really connected with that instructor and with that studio. I started from there growing in a lot of self-care and self-love practices. I took yoga workshops. I went to retreats and eventually that led into yoga teacher training and a lot of meditative practices, which uh, brought me back to my heart center and really helped me learn to open my heart again. And from there, it expanded to other trainings and modalities over, I would say the last six years, I've become certified in Reiki, which uh, if your listeners aren't aware what that is, it's a It's basically means life force energy and it's a Japanese um, energy balancing modality. Mm -hmm. And I also am certified in mindfulness-based stress reduction, which is uh, a type of mindfulness that was developed by uh, Dr. John Kabat-Zinn in the late seventies at the University of Massachusetts. And I recently completed a course in mindful self-compassion as well. And I know we'll be talking a little bit more about self-compassion later, Mm -hmm. but through this process, 
I was able to regain a lot of a lot of that light inside me. But then, you know, things got really challenging towards the end of my husband's life and and he passed away and I have a son who's a, who's a teenager. So those days were very challenging. There was a lot of trauma that, you know, I'm still working through because it's a process. And I sought counseling for myself and my son right away. I knew that was really important. But what I also realized as the weeks following his death went on was that these practices and really remembering the self-care, the self-love, the kindness towards myself were that extra step I needed to be able to thrive again, have some hope and look forward to the rest of my life and my future. And I can't thank you enough, Renee, for your honesty and your vulnerability and sharing what is such a hard, hard story to share, because I think mental health is so important to talk about. I think there's so many people suffering in silence, not just individually with their own mental health, but like you said, it's the people who live with them. It's the family members. It's tiptoeing around, not sure what you're walking into. It affects the entire household and everyone's entire life. And I think there are so many people living with that. And I part of my passion is helping to normalize those conversations for it to come out of hiding and out of the woodwork, because I think that's what makes it manageable. That's what helps connect us and help us to see that not only are they not alone, but that there is a way through it, that there is, you know, things to help you. You don't have to stay stuck in that place, not only as the person dealing with that, but also as the people living with the person with, with the mental health issues. And I think it's just so important. I can't share that enough because I think it's just, it's everybody. We all know somebody who's either dealt with mental health, unfortunately, who's died by suicide, who's connects us in not a great way, but I think it can help make us stronger to build on that. No, Danielle, I agree a hundred percent. And I think that you're right, that the first step is normalizing those conversations. And even as somebody, you know, who is in the family or is somehow uh, a friend or really related to somebody who's dealing with these mental health challenges, like you said, being able to open up and talk to others about the trauma of living with that, because it is, it is a trauma. It's a trauma to yourself as well, especially when they're um, undiagnosed or untreated or someone's just not willing to go through with the treatment. That's, that's really one of the tougher parts. And actually, uh, as this, I believe is coming out in, in September, just yesterday on the 20th of September, there's a new recommendation for uh, adults under the age of 65 to be tested or looked at by the doctors mm-hmm. at their physicals for anxiety because yes. we are living in such a culture where in the United States and, and really the world, but especially we know here, there's so many mental health challenges that are just going under the radar right now. Yes. And actually I went for my physical yesterday. I went for my annual and that was something that she asked about and that we were talking about and things like that. And I think the more we can kind of normalize and and break down, you know, because people, sometimes they don't know what does that mean? What does that look like? And Mm -hmm. so to be able to share, you know, people think, well, depression just looks like I'm sad, or I'm staying in bed, not realizing depression can look like anger, depression can look like so many other things. And so to be able to really not just answer yes or no, but talk about it, I think can help us to see kind of that light at the end of the tunnel of different things we're dealing with. Right. I agree hundred percent. And actually, you know, my husband's depression did often look like anger and, and, and self-loathing came out in that direction. So there are so many different ways that, that certain things can present, but mm-hmm. the important thing is, like you said, to talk about it and, and to seek help if needed, you know, even as somebody who is just dealing with it on um, a supportive level. 
Right. And so to kind of look at then some of those next steps now, because I think, like you said, you, you started doing certain things more just for you, not realizing kind of the bigger impact of what they would have. So if you could maybe talk a little bit more about like, what's the difference between self-compassion, self-love and self-care? Because I think all these quote self-words <laughs> get grouped together sometimes and, and people don't even recognize how they differentiate. Right. So I think self-care you know, is definitely a term that's really used in pop culture right now. But in, in its essence, it's making sure that you're taking care of your needs. And that could look like alone time, could look like time in nature, making sure you're taking time to hydrate or take a break from work if stuff, if items are getting just too stressful for you or there's too much on your plate. So self-care is not just about, say, getting a manicure or something like that. It's about being responsive, you know, thinking about what you need in the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and self-love is really more about self-acceptance, I think, in a lot of ways. And it's it's all this is a process. What I work on with my clients is the fact that we want to make progress towards a goal and small, small steps, mm -hmm. small habits, small mindfulness changes that you can integrate into your life are going to have a bigger impact than trying to like make this huge change because they will be lasting. They will be the things that really um, stay in your life and make those big impacts. So, and self-compassion is something that I'm, I'm super passionate about. I find that ultimately a lot of my clients come to me thinking that they're dealing with one situation and it could be stress, it could be weight loss, it could be a lot of different things. And they can't get there because of this block. But the block is often self-compassion. It's often something that a self-identity, a limiting belief, something that we haven't uh, worked through in that, that manner. So self-compassion at its heart is kindness to ourselves in times of distress. Mm -hmm. And that could look like those self-judging thoughts that come up for you every day. You know, maybe there's one that you just can't get past and it's blocking you from success in your work or your business. Maybe there's one that makes you feel like you're unlovable. Those are the kind of things that I work through and work with my clients a lot on. And uh, so mindful self-compassion is, is looking at that in a very mindful and compassionate manner. So while you're learning self-compassion, Mm -hmm. being compassionate to yourself and understanding it's a progress, not perfection process. And I love the way they all kind of like build and work together. And definitely you can look at it as not just kindness, but that grace that giving yourself a break, letting go of those critical, critical thoughts, being able to kind of accept yourself in so many ways. And then, and like I said, you were speaking my, my language when it's about yeah. self-care is not just the spa days and the bubble baths and all of that. And all those, like you said, manageable small things. Cause like you said, you know, you were working, you had a, a young son, you have these things going on in your life and it doesn't stop when you're trying to build them in. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about self-compassion and there, there are a few ways I thought that your listeners might be able to start integrating some of that into their life. Absolutely. And dive right in. <laughs> and the first one I think is something you've kind of touched on. It's like building that awareness, just building that awareness of your thought patterns, you know, noticing them. And I, I think not even trying to change them at first, but noticing them can be enough to, make you kind of stop and look at it from a different perspective, change their narrative a little bit. So uh, the first is building awareness. And the second tip I would say for building some self-compassion may not feel comfortable for a lot of folks at first, but it's practicing supportive and soothing touch. Mm -hmm. So that can look like something like putting your hands over your heart mm -hmm. and take breaths or potentially putting a hand on your heart when your abdomen and, and feeling your breath go through your body. Or if you're in a stressful situation, it can be as much as just like putting your hands together in your lap. 
But supportive touch, even on yourself, does calm your parasympathetic nervous system, which, um, you know, ultimately brings down that stress level for you and makes you feel comforted and loved. So brings you back to your heart center. And uh, that's something else that I'm really passionate about. And finally, just considering what is supportive for you in the moment, mm-hmm. uh, understanding that you need to be self-responsive and that kind of crosses to self-care a little bit, you know, is that a warm cup of tea right now? Is that having a little bit of comfort food and not feeling bad about it? Because mm-hmm. in that moment, that might be what your body needs or resting. Yeah. <laughs> in our society, you know, sometimes is a taboo. We don't take the time off. We don't take time to just sit and close our eyes for a minute or uh, relax with the book sometimes. So just thinking about ways you can be more self-responsive and, um, and that will kind of, like I said, cross over a little bit with the self-care. And I do have to say in all uh, honesty, I still enjoy a spa day here or there. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> but that's not at its heart, at its heart. That's not what it is for sure. <laughs> but like you said, you know, we need to kind of banish the busy mindset of needing to look productive and really listen and tune into what we need in order to get the most out of ourselves. Because that's the thing. I think we we look at giving as the way, constantly doing is the way to be able to show up and, and give to others when it's actually sometimes just pulling back and being able to do less that's going to help us do more of that. And just curiously, those thing, other things you were talking about, is that part of the Reiki? Reiki am I saying that right? Reiki, Reiki. practice? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what if someone, so I like the fact that you offer options that can be done on yourself because some of the work I've read, you know, it has to do with somebody touching you or somebody doing those things. And I know besides with COVID, everybody just has different comfort levels when it comes to that. And so being able to do things when you're just on your own, because that's when you're going to need the skills the most, I think is so powerful. And it's things you could probably teach your kids and other people around you. So you're not just doing this in isolation. Right. Self-soothing techniques. Absolutely. I agree with that hundred percent. And, and I also want to piggyback a little bit about what you were talking about, uh, about giving Mm -hmm. is that once you give everything, you're depleted, right? So then there's just nothing to give. And at that point, you're not supporting anyone. And, you know, it can cause a lot of conflict in relationships too, once you get to that point of depletion. So, so filling that cup, which again, might sound a little trite, but so important. I know some of these phrases, it's like they get overused to the point that they don't have that same impact. And like you said, they could sound trite, but they are so necessary and powerful. And, you know, to find a way to bridge that of let the phrase and how often you hear it go and really listen to the message behind the phrase of what it means, how it can impact you and how you can start integrating these small manageable things throughout your day, whether it's, you know, in the morning, you get up and you give yourself a big hug or different things like that, I think can make such a big difference. Or breath work, you know, just simple breath work. And that can even be as simple for your listeners as just paying attention to the breath. I mean, once in a while, I work with these with clients and and they're so astounded by the fact that they just never notice their breath and how shallow it's been. Mm-hmm. And that awareness suddenly brings a whole new world to them because when your breathing is smooth, a lot of, again, that nervous system has calmed down, your stress level reduces. So um, just such simple things, but incorporating them every day, making them a habit can change your life. Right. Cause you don't even realize how you think you're breathing. And until you actually take a deep breath or focus on it, you're like, Oh gosh, I'm really not doing that enough. And it is probably so easy, you know, as you're driving or doing different things to fit that into your day and help get those physiological benefits in ways that you don't even subconsciously realize. Absolutely. Or even before you walk into a meeting, you know, it's a great idea. 
or even before you get on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. I've definitely learned the power of like, not just breathing in, because I think we focus on that, but I've um, just from somebody I heard speaking, like the power of exhaling and breathing out from a calming perspective can actually sometimes have more of an impact than the deep breath in. Right, especially on your nervous system. And it helps you kind of like get rid of the things that aren't serving you anymore, you know? <laughs> Yes. And it can be powerful. Like there's a thing in yoga, there's a, a, a pose. I'm not sure how, how much yoga you might do or your listeners, mm -hmm. but think lion's breath where literally that forcing that breath out is what you're doing to just let everything go. Yep. I also practice um Kundalini yoga and they call it the breath yes. of fire. As yes. Well. The breath so, of fire. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. I've done that many a time. <laughs> I'm not great at it. I'd still like, sometimes like if I think about it, I get stuck, but it's definitely again, part of that practice. Like it's not about doing it perfectly. It's not about getting it right. It's just about giving yourself the grace to practice mess up and start again. Yeah. It, cause, cause like even that, that breath work that you're talking about or lion's breath or the breath of fire, it, it doesn't feel comfortable and it, and it's actually empowering, but it's, it's different than anything you expect. So you have to get out of that comfort zone a little bit sometimes, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I think with all of the things you've talked about, they're not necessarily like cozy, comfort, feel good things at the moment, probably, are they? Especially for people who aren't used to it or aren't comfortable. If you're not used to thinking you're lovable, putting your hands on your heart might feel a little overwhelming because you're mm -hmm. offering yourself that love and it's not something that's natural to you. Mm -hmm. Could you suggest like, can you build up the, the tolerance and time with that type of thing? I think for a lot of, a lot of the practices I work on with my clients, we do build up something, especially somebody who say has a lot of anxiety, isn't going to want to close their eyes and, and take a, a long time to be quiet or focus on their breath because the anxiety can build up. Mm -hmm. So just starting with a couple breaths, just starting with your eyes open, just starting with your hands on your heart for maybe two breaths, keeping your eyes open and being responsive um, can be a way to start building up. But I think all these practices start in very small increments mm -hmm. and then build up as you get more comfortable. Are there like affirmations or certain phrases to help reinforce that if someone were trying this on their own? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of my favorite affirmations are things like I am enough. I create my own safety. I am love. I love that. Mm -hmm. That's I think going to be my quote for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So what are some of your favorite kind of self-love, self-compassion things that you still turn to? I know you had mentioned the yoga and some of those other practices. Yeah. So I definitely do yoga all the time. I do self-reiki, but honestly, one of my, my biggest practices that make a difference in my day in my life is a morning routine mm -hmm. that includes quiet time. It includes a short meditation, some breath work, and just some time, honestly, to sit and enjoy my coffee and just get grounded for the day. So that grounding practice is if I don't do that, I notice a huge difference in my attitude and my demeanor for the rest of the day. So I make time, I get up super early just to make time to do that. I love that. And then one of the other things I always ask my guests about, because I think gratitude is such a big part of our self-care and self-compassion and things like that, to find the positive in what might sometimes not be a great day. What would you say are some of the things that you're the most grateful for? I'm grateful for my son. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I am grateful that I've been able to once again, see the beauty in life and I'm grateful for just the safety and beauty of my home. Those are awesome things because they're consistent and you can count on them. So where can people find you, Renee? How can people work with you? Because I think you can offer so many benefits to so many different women. Right. I appreciate that. Thank you. So a lot of my clients are, are female and they're dealing with either stress or burnout. 
often in transition, maybe they've lost a loved one or going through a divorce or a new job. Mm -hmm. um, I'm online at ReneeHagersmith.com. And I know you'll have that linked um, yeah. in the show notes. And I do offer a free 45 minute consultation for anyone talk about how, you know, their needs and their goals and see how we work well together. I offer vacay, uh, Zoom sessions virtually, and I also do in-person sessions for folks who are in central New York. That's great. Well, thank you so much, thank Renee, you. for joining me today. I'm so excited for everybody to listen to this. Thank you, Daniela. I had a great time. Thanks so much again for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please let me know any questions or comments that you have. Also, if you can please leave an Apple five-star review so that this episode can be shared with more women. There's two quotes that I love, alone we may be strong, but together we are stronger, as well as when women support each other, incredible things happen. So let's be stronger and incredible together, as well as maybe just have some fun along the way. Thanks so much and talk to you soon. Bye.